Hello everyone, Shirley here. Welcome to today's topic about strategically aligning the recruiting and business development functions in your company. The government buys a lot of professional services and outsources a significant percentage of its labor force. Agencies are increasingly turning to three forms of outsourcing, contract personnel, which most of us are familiar with, shared services, and business process outsourcing, or BPO, to help close a widening capabilities gap in their organizations. Shared services, as practiced in the federal government, are applications or business processes that are centralized and provided either across a single department or agency or by one federal agency to other departments and agencies and are most often supported by a commercial company. Business process outsourcing, on the other hand, refers to the process of handing over the execution of a specific function or business process to a third-party commercial provider, which is often located off-site. In all of these cases, government contractors are saying to the government, let us handle these people and our functions for you. We can do it better, cheaper, and faster. This implies that contractors have better processes, technologies, and access to well-qualified people. In a tight labor market like what we are currently experiencing, it is critical that the business development folks understand what skill sets federal agencies need, and the recruiting folks must then find those qualified personnel at the appropriate price point to be competitive and win contracts. But many times these two business functions, business development and recruiting, are separate with different management structures and they're not talking to one another. So what are the keys to success for aligning these two critical business functions? To help me explore this important topic, I reached out to Tom Weinert, founder of Mount Indeed. Welcome, Tommy. Hey, Shirley. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Please tell our audience a little about yourself and Mount Indeed. Wonderful. I started recruiting uh, and being in the defense space about, in about 2008, and I was working with a uh, small 8A uh, here in San Diego. And I was with that company for about 10 years while they were going through some, some massive growth. I had a lot of different roles while I worked there, but one of the positions was managing large prime contracts. I did some business development, and the majority of my time was spent uh, overseeing recruiting, where we had a team of about 18 recruiters. And they were the growth engine behind that company and was the reason why they were able to have that massive growth th during that time. I came to understand some fundamental elements of government contracting that we put into play and, and helped us define our business, Mount Indy, for when we were creating it. So first, recruiting is definitely the lifeblood of government contracting. Whether we like to admit it or not, at the end of the day, government contractors, essentially what we're doing, we're, we're staffing contracts. So we're the largest staffing component for the government that exists. And logically, if this is true, um, I've always wondered why there's not greater investment into the recruiting function within organizations. This was a really big driving factor for how we created our companies. So we founded Mount Indy to provide expert recruiting support to companies in this space that don't have that in-depth capability. 
and um, we want to help them continually recruit high-level talent. We develop solutions, again, specific to government contractors, so we can cover pre-award proposal support. We can go do competitive intelligence for proposal bids. And then, of course, we, we help fill immediate uh, and backfill positions uh, for companies that, that need that support as well. We're absolute experts in the cleared recruiting space. And, again, we're really trying to help our small business and medium-sized business clients from pre-award proposal support all the way through to execution. Awesome. Tommy, let's begin our discussion by remembering why it is important that the recruiting team and the BD team be aligned. Sure. Well, the easiest way to look at this is what's the point of winning the work if you can't execute that work? Or how can you even expect to bid the proposal you've been running capture on if you can't recruit the key personnel and ultimately submit that bid? Recruiting has to realize that business development is the growth function of the company. And if you're not winning work, everyone's job may be in jeopardy. Without sales, the company is not going to continue to grow. This relationship is is critically important, but it lives and dies in trust. BD trusts recruiting to deliver and recruiting trusts BD that they're doing their homework and providing concrete information on, on what to deliver and execute on. And I would add, Tommy, that companies in which the business development and recruiting teams work well together have a strategic advantage in the federal marketplace where there is an extremely tight labor market. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree with that. So what prevents these two functional areas from collaborating effectively in most GovCon companies, in your opinion? So this this is the million-dollar question, and it comes down to trust. Um, I I hate to put it on on trust, but it it really is trust. One of the biggest issues in in this collaboration is the lack of concrete information, which, again, is part of the business development lifecycle. You're not going to know everything um, at the beginning of the capture phase. That's the whole point is, is figuring it out as you go. But I've been part of hundreds of proposals providing key personnel to large pursuits, and it takes me about five minutes of talking to the BD team to determine if their percent win is realistic. And I think recruiters are smart, and they can see this as well. They can see if the BD team has done their homework, if they have technical knowledge of the work being done, if they understand the competitive landscape from a salary perspective, if they understand the current pain points on the contract and can explain what the people are doing on a day-to-day basis beyond the scope of work, it becomes very easy for recruiting to support. And, you know, on the other side, if these proposals don't have this pre-work done and and the capture process has not been strong and, and you can't answer these questions and it just seems like you're throwing things over the fence to see if it sticks, it becomes a trust issue and a repeated drain on resources. Like I said earlier, it's hard to get the team to continually show up when they feel like the information they're working with is not up to par and is not enough to execute on. So that is um, the biggest roadblock, in my opinion, to BD and recruiting really collaborating. Tommy, you talked about the BD folks doing their homework. What are the biggest mistakes made by the business development folks? Yeah, this is like the catch-22, right? 
so what we see a lot is the BD team engages the recruiting function way too early or way too late. So when you're too early, a lot of the outreach that we do in recruiting, it's wasted because we don't have that pertinent information that I was talking about earlier. We talk a lot about how major shifts in strategy early in the process are more destructive than good when it comes to recruiting. So much of recruiting is timing, and as recruiters, we want to make sure when we do connect with the right people, we have all of the right information, and I can intelligently speak about the opportunity. Ultimately, most of the time, you only get one chance to win a candidate over, and I don't want my team to blow it by not having all of the information. So, Tommy, I want to talk about capturing the correct key personnel. What is the biggest mistake made by the recruiting folks? This is hard to answer because there's so many factors at play when we talk about key personnel. But I think the biggest mistake, it's not having all of your ducks in a row when you're going into conversation with incumbent or key personnel. You know, the government writes RFPs, we're all familiar with this. They, they write it in a way where there's an extremely small pool of qualified candidates, especially when you're considering key personnel in critical positions on your bids. These candidates are being contacted by multiple companies, and they're all looking to sign them up for a key slot. So you better have your details in line. I mean, if you sound uninformed, if you sound like you're not positioned, uh, if you sound like you don't know what the work on the contract is actually doing or what the mission is, why would that candidate want to sign up with your company um, as a contingent hire, especially if they're incumbents? So given these risks, what are the keys to success? How can the management teams align the goals of these two functional areas? That's a good question. We've done a lot of trial and error here, and what I've realized is, without a doubt, the alignment has to come from the top of the organization. It's very difficult for the recruiting director or the recruiting VP and the sales VP, BD VP, to figure this out together because, um, you know, they're, they're competing for resources, essentially. I'm a heavy advocate for having the recruiting leadership as part of the pipeline review process. This really gives the talent function a seat at the table and, and a vested interest in the pipeline. And ultimately, I think it's great to have recruiting leadership as part of the, the go, no-go decision on your bids as well. It starts aligning the team strategically, and what it also does is it starts looking at business development and saying, hey, you know, we need to bring deals to the table that we have a higher chance of winning versus burning our resources on these low win bid. I think once the strategy starts talking to each other that way, it really starts helping. So, uh, Tommy, let's talk about strategies. What do you think is the answer to this disconnect? It's about aligning BD and recruiting early and, and showing that they're, they're connected and they're not disconnected. Bringing recruiting leads, resources, management into the BD process early on is something I, I'm a big advocate of. Having them be part of the gate re review process is a big deal, right? Like, they'll be able to ask questions about labor category requirements. They can offer input into pay, what's happening in the market, you know, what this is going to look like in execution. Really doing any type of pricing 
or competitive analysis in today's landscape without talking to your recruiters, in my opinion, is nuts because none of the salary surveys, none of the pricing materials that, that we use on a day-to-day basis to, to baseline our labor categories, that stuff is not accurate with what's going on in the government space. And you know, so it's very important to use that as a, a, a benchmark or a data point. It's really about pulling the recruiters in and helping them influence your bid in regards to making sure that you have the best pricing available and it's going to succeed in, in, in execution. So do you have an example of a company that did it wrong and an example of a company that did it right? Unfortunately, I have tons of wrong examples. I'll sum it up like this. You know, there's a, the old quote, if you're given six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. I love this analogy for work. I love it for, for, for government contracting. Let's get all information, right? Get all of the information within reason before you send your resources out into the market to execute. So tons of examples of companies just throwing it over the fence. Specifically, a a big red flag for recruiting is if you just get the labor category from the scope of work and the recruiting team is supposed to execute, they don't understand the work that's being done. They don't understand ultimately what this program is doing and what the end goal is, that's always a big red flag when those questions can't get answered. And I feel like that's how a lot of times how, you know, the bad process happens is just relying on the scope of work and having having none of that color that the, the BD team brings to the table when they've executed capture. If we want to look at a good example, you know, I'm specifically thinking about a, a recent job that, that we worked on with the client. It was a C4ISR proposal supporting the Navy out of Charleston and this team did a phenomenal job running capture, and it allowed my team over here at Mount Indy the ability to deliver great key personnel. Because of the work that they've done, we were able to really get those contingent hires for the bid pretty quickly. And through that process, we were able to uncover some pretty critical competitive intelligence that we took back to the BD team, and they used that to strengthen their win themes, not only strengthen their win themes, but make sure that their win themes were were accurate. So, you know, we heard what the incumbents were saying. We gained the trust by them because business development gave us all of this information to go into these calls with. And they started telling us about the problems that they were having on the contract. They started telling us about their true rates and things of that nature. So that was really helpful. And before we began the recruiting effort, we had a good kickoff with the project team we deep dove into the contracting environment. You know, we understood the mission of the program, the incumbent's weakness, the sentiment of the boots on the ground. So what were, what were the employees saying? And we knew all of this because the capture team did a tremendous job in talking to the key players and really uncovering all of these pain points and got some intimate knowledge. You know, that, that you're not just going to find on Sam.gov or, you know, from the, from the Q&A sessions that the KO uh, puts out. They knew what was going on. And when it came time to really have conversations with the potential key positions, we're super informed. And I think this came across to the candidates. And when my team went to execute, it's, they, I mean, it sounded like we were going to win. We had the candidates convinced that, that we were going to win. I would love to report to you that we did win. It's actually still being uh, awarded right now. But yeah, this was a really good um, example of of what I think good capture, how it can inform a strong recruiting process. 
That's a really good example, Tommy. We need to take a break. I'm talking to Tom Weinert, founder of Mount Indy, about how the business development and recruiting teams can become best buddies. When we come back, we'll talk about best practices that have been implemented by successful government contractors. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This Growthmasters Federal presentation is hosted by Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davy Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping grow your federal contracting business. Back now to Shirley's conversation with Tom Weinert, founder of Mount Indy, about the critical need for business development and recruiting to work together. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about success stories. That's a good segue to discuss prioritizing recruiting resources to produce even more success. How do most government contractors do this, Tommy? Most government contractors do this by shooting from the hip, to be completely honest. The way that I think it needs to be done, and organizations who are doing a very good job at this, the way that they're doing it, it goes back to the earlier discussion about, you know, how do we line BD in recruiting, and, and that's by getting the executive involved in the process. So the reality of recruiting resource spend is this. The, the first priority for the majority of companies that, that we've supported or worked with is always filling funded positions and backfills. And, and this just boils down to capturing already allocated revenue. You, you want to make sure when you win these contracts, you're billing them to the, to the extent that they can be billed and you're not losing those billable hours. For most companies that don't have dedicated proposal recruiting teams, this is the way it has to be. It makes no sense to lose that billable hour on a current program. So going back to the, to the tree analogy and, and sharpening the ax, um, if we understand that there's a real cost to using recruiting to support the proposal efforts, you know, at what point do we start using percentage win to determine if those resources get allocated? What effect will this start having on the pipeline? To that point, Tommy, I want to address how successful GovCons specifically have been able to align the business development and recruiting functions. The first way is to make sure there are clear objectives and understanding of their complementary roles. And Tommy alluded to this earlier. The business development function relies on recruiting and recruiting relies on business development. If recruiters are involved in early gate reviews of an opportunity, they will have input into the labor market to share with the business developers. They can also ask the questions that they need answers to in order to devote resources to finding personnel in a timely manner that will meet the agency's needs. 
These discussions can help the company determine whether or not to pursue specific opportunities by accurately calculating PWIN. And in terms of objectives, the company's growth plan should include adequate business development and proposal recruiting resources to achieve those growth goals. If the recruiting team is busy filling open positions on existing contracts and has no time to devote to developing new business, the company's growth plan is not adequately funded. The second best practice is to align incentives. Compensation plans should reward the behaviors that result in success, meaning contract wins. BD, recruiting, the proposal team, and management should all be incentivized to think, collaborate, and work hard together to win. And I know this is not easy, but there's a management adage that I love to share. Behavior that is rewarded is repeated. Tommy, are there other best practices that you have seen companies institute successfully? Yeah. Absolutely. So larger companies have teams that are dedicated to proposal support. And essentially, this is the best way to do it. But it's really not feasible for most companies. We don't have the extra overhead spend to bring on a whole separate team that only does proposal recruiting. Really important that we understand one thing about today's market and, and why it's so important that we use our resources accordingly. There's 800% more open jobs than cleared personnel. It's the highest of any time. And that's actually data from a recent report that came out by clearance shops, but it is incredibly competitive. Even filling the easiest positions are becoming very, very difficult. So it's very important to understand that when we're aligning those organizations. If I hear you correctly, internal company policies and procedures should require that consistent, precise information be shared by the BD folks with the recruiting team so they can prioritize their time and resources to work on those slots that are the most critical to the success of the company. Absolutely. And and one other thing to add is it's critical that also the recruiting team reports back to the BD team. You know, I I don't want this to be a one-sided discussion. You know, it's very important that when the recruiting is finding stuff in the market, that they take that data and they give it to the business development team so the BD team can take action on it early in the process. But yes, absolutely. Tommy, what do you want our audience to take away from our conversation? BD and recruiting is the whole chicken or the egg conversation. How can you win new work without recruiting help? Um, And that's what it comes down to in our space is BD needs recruiting and, and recruiting needs BD. I understand this is something that all companies in GovCon struggle with and you know, we need to realize BD is often fighting with operations and, and program managers for the support that they need to go after the bids that they're chasing. So win at all costs and let execution, a.k.a. program management and recruiting, deal with the problem. Um, or BD sells the dream and, and operations services the nightmare. I've seen that attitude a lot, and some people may be chuckling right now because they've seen it as well. But it's something that we have to get away from. We're, we're all on the same team. You're absolutely right, Tommy. The promise makers and the promise keepers have to operate as a team. And as we've discussed, there are industry best practices that foster cooperation among these individuals. Those best practices are 
devote adequate resources to recruiting, align incentives with the behaviors that produce success, and have clear, efficient processes in place to accommodate the transfer of knowledge to and from the BD and recruiting teams. And I would also add that being successful in the federal marketplace requires leveraging external resources, people, data, systems, and processes. You are not alone. Think, plan, grow, and prosper in this complex federal marketplace by using others whose experience and knowledge complement your own. Tommy, thank you so much for sharing your insights with our audience today. Well, thanks for having me here, Shirley. It was uh, a lot of fun. It has been fun. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with Tommy, he can be reached at tommy at mountindy.com or you can reach out to us here at Scale to Market and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Scale to Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's scaletomarket.com with the number two in the middle, where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.